What's up, champs? Welcome back to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, hosted by the Keeping Carlson Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing this fine, fine Thursday evening? I'm doing great, and uh, normally this is where I would jump into some playful banter, but I think we have so much news, we better just get things underway, don't you think? <laughs> I guess so. I, I didn't think you were going to rush me right into it, but now, I, you know what? Let's do it. You're right. We do have quite a packed show, and I want to start where we started the other day, not because I want to spend as much time talking about Evander Kane as we did on Tuesday. In fact, I really don't want to spend that much time on it, but... There was another, I would say, major announcement, whether or not it uh, takes up, you know, as many weeks as the suspension earlier this season did. It remains to be seen. But the NHL announced that they are investigating Kane's alleged uh, federal crime of crossing the U.S.-Canada border while positive for COVID-19. Um in so doing, basically, the league is insinuating that teams should be careful not to not to sign. Basically, it seems like collusion where they're asking owners not to sign Kane while they investigate him. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm a bit more gun shy on Kane and his prospects of playing soon than I was Tuesday. I think mainly, though, this news just goes to show that the roller coaster ain't over yet. And, uh, you know, it's kind of going to be a bit of musical chairs, I think, if you're waiting on Evander Kane and, and depending on him coming back to your lineup and saving your fantasy season. Yeah, hopefully you didn't, uh, you know, waste a critical move grabbing him, um, you know, just because we don't know exactly when it will be that he'll be able to suit up. I imagine that things will calm down a little bit once he's actually signed and like gets into the swing of things. But it's just another cautionary tale, especially in a season where moves are so valuable that it it pays to be patient. Uh, you know, I really wanted to make a move earlier today, and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and see if instead of dropping a player, you know, I can pop someone into IR plus and that sort of thing. I just patience is a real virtue this season. That's a that's a big lesson that I'm learning. I think you mentioned when he gets signed, Lewis. I'm going to go ahead and say if he gets signed. I, I still don't think it's a hundred percent that we see Evander Kane play uh, during the fantasy season this year. I would assume he's back on an NHL team at some point. Um, but I wouldn't, I, I'm not ready to say that I, that I'm sure it'll happen this year. Uh, you're definitely right though, that waiting and patience are two key elements to fantasy this year that I think more so than any other season, I've been burned twice now making moves, you know, hours before, uh, one of my players goes on IR and frees up a roster spot for me just this week. It's happened to me probably half a dozen times already this season. So I'm with you on that. But let's move on and chat about a couple of injuries. I'm going to let you take the uh, take the next two. All right. So let's head to Tampa Bay and talk about Andre Palat. Uh, he was held out for the third period on Tuesday for precautionary reasons. And uh, it was announced that he's going to be out for tonight thursday's games as well as saturday's game that opens up a spot for matthew joseph on line one with point and kucherov obviously that is outstanding deployment at even strength 
It's probably a short-term addition. Palat's injury is a lingering one, and they decide to kind of give him some rest to just kind of get back together and get in action. Uh, so it's probably not super serious. I would not be surprised to see him return and bump Joseph by the time the road trip through the Cali teams starts on the 18th. But if you're looking for somebody to play on a busy Saturday this weekend and you've got an open forward spot, you know, Matthew Joseph being out there with Point and Kucherov obviously is, is a very nice spot for him, although he has not done anything with it yet here on Thursday night uh, on three goals. Yeah, I think you make a really good point, Lewis, about not jumping after Joseph unless we get news of Palat being out much longer. Uh, that isn't to say maybe you end up with a uh, some random COVID cancellations and you need a streamer on Saturday. I think Joseph was an okay spot to look, but that Saturday schedule as of this moment is quite busy. So, you know, do your stream scheming and make sure that you know ahead of time where you have space to add a forward into the lineup. All right. And then we've got another one that I want to talk about in Edmonton, uh, where Mike Smith has a partial tear in his thumb tendon, and he's going to be out for approximately one to two more weeks. It sounds like a week at minimum. Uh, it sounded like Koskinen was a sure thing to start on Saturday because there were some issues with uh, Bakersfield and COVID, and it sounded like they would not be able to call up Stuart Skinner in time, but he is going to be ready uh, on Saturday. My guess would be Koskinen starts and Skinner backs up, but that's just a random guess. You know, I think we should definitely wait and see which one of them is going to be in there. Uh, we're likely during this time to see Skinner and Koskinen continue to compete for starts. We've seen them go with the hot hand from those two in the past. But I wouldn't be looking to add either one until much closer to puck drop for a couple reasons. First, because obviously it's COVID season and who knows what might happen with games or either goalie. But also because they are probably only going to be good for one-day streams. The Oilers have Ottawa on Saturday and then nothing until Florida the Thursday after that and Calgary on Saturday. Those are both busy night games and they're both against pretty talented offenses. So, you know, I know that, that these Mike Smith injuries have opened up opportunities for players, but, you know, uh, Edmonton is not as successful as they were at the start of the season. They're not such a guaranteed thing for, for wins. Um, and I worry a little bit about going up against the offenses of Florida and Calgary that they're not going to be great for your rates either. Uh, so if you need a spot start for one game, just trying to get volume, you know, saves and a, and a shot at a win, I think that it could be decent for you to pick one of those up. But really, I don't see this Mike Smith injury doing a whole lot uh, over the next week and a half for anyone who is looking to bring in a goalie for anything more than just one game. I'm surprised to hear you even say a shot at a win. Like the, the when did the? I don't think Edmonton has won a game since before the COVID shutdown. Yeah, they haven't won since December 18th at Seattle. A six-game losing streak in the meantime. A couple of overtime losses in there, or five games rather. Uh, so I'm I'm avoiding these goalies for sure. I, I think. Previously, we had some, we saw Koskinen go on a run to start the year, and then there was sort of this residual, okay, maybe there's a bit of magic left here. At this point, I'm pretty much done unless you are desperate for a goalie start late in a week that you need to hit your minimums or whatever. I'm over these two. Let's head over to Buffalo, where unfortunately, I'm going to actually, I'm going to make two stops here. We have two more goalie injuries to talk about. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shove in a Jake Allen injury in between uh, the in between these two segments and and just mention that Jake Allen is out again. Left last night's game in Montreal early after finally returning to the lineup. There's no news yet on how long he'll be out. Sam Montembeau started tonight, and though he hasn't been bad, I'm not particularly interested in Montembeau, uh, despite the fact that he's put up a sparkling. Career best, 895 save percentage this year. Still don't know when to expect Carey Price back. And then, as I mentioned, we had one more injury to talk about in Buffalo, where Uko Pekka Lukanen, sextuple K, as we call him, uh, just another in a long line of goalie injuries this year. Alex Tuck and Kyle Ocposo are both back in the lineup, which is nice, but the Sabres go and lose both Lukanen and Malcolm Stuban in Tuesday night's blowout against Tampa Bay. UPL is week to week, and I'm assuming not even an unlikely return by Craig Anderson would make this an enviable place to search for a spot start. Um, despite the fact that UPL had fallen off a bit recently, uh, he hasn't been above a 905 save percentage in his past four starts, giving up roughly four goals a game over that span, including that early departure on Tuesday. He is still rocking a 917 save percentage and a positive goal saved above average in the nine starts that he's played this year, which does go to show you just how dynamite he was when he was first called up to the Sabres. I'm wondering, Lewis, would you still have a spot on your roster for UPL? Is there a little bit of leash left on on Lukanen when he does return to the Buffalo crease? So I'm definitely into that 6K quality. I think that he has a lot of, you know, talent. He reminds me kind of of last year when Olmark was really having a nice season and, and he kind of trailed off too in the same way and also experienced some injuries in the same way. I think the parallels are pretty strong there. You know, if you were someone who, you know, uh, was, was down to take a risk on a Karel Vemelka, um, you know, who maybe, maybe the, the upper end of what he can accomplish for you is not quite as high, uh, just because, you know, Vemelka's coming in with some of these like 45 save games. But, you know, a, a goalie who's getting some good, uh, volume on a pretty crummy team and is capable of helping them win games. Uh, I think that could be pretty interesting. Um, you know, so, so yes, I think he is the kind of person, at least, you know, in the cupful, the KKUPFL, uh, which is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, you know, that gives points for saves and, you know, is not too punishing on goals against, I think really is, uh, you know, a goalie like him can be quite valuable. I'm a little bit concerned that you didn't give a trigger warning when mentioning the milkman there. I'm sure we have a couple of Toronto Maple Leafs fans who listen to our show, maybe even a few who are in my, uh, in my close family. And I hope that they're surviving after the, uh, after the disaster in the desert earlier this week. Lewis, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a couple of, uh, a couple more news headlines to hit and a couple of streaks. You're listening to short shifts. We are back for short shifts, and Lewis, I am going to throw the ball right back at you. I want to hear about a defenseman that I know you made a risky acquisition to pick up in the cupful earlier today. Yeah, so uh, I want to I want to clarify this whole statement by starting with the fact that I've got kind of a schedule win here this week. I ended up with 12 more games than my opponent at the start of the week. So it was kind of a foregone conclusion. I don't think I would be making this move if I was chasing or trying to pull off, you know, a victory, uh, you know, 
from from pull a victory out of the hat, you know. Um, but I'm kind of interested in Cam York as a power play one quarterback for the Flyers. Um, he only has two shots on goal and a, and a power play assist in three games leading up to Thursday. Um, but he was on Tuesday deployed as the power play one QB and the coaches said they were showing some confidence in him by putting him in that position, you know, and the opportunity to snap up a potential power play one QB doesn't come along all that often. Uh, he ended up with 83% of power play time on ice in the most recent game prior to Thursday. Uh, and he really has a great schedule getting Monday, Tuesday games next week versus the Islanders. And he also provided some decent peripherals. He has seven hits and three blocks in those three games so far, again, leading up to Thursday night. So I'm not including those stats, but you'll be able to check them out. Um, I was curious with Provorov's return, uh, if there still would be room for York on the blue line. Uh, and I kind of talked to Charlie O'Connor, one of the beat writers for the Flyers, and he told me he thinks the coaches really like York and Braun together. So there may be an effort to keep him in the lineup, uh, even with Risto playing again and Provorov returning for a Tuesday's game. Although I think Risto actually may have missed Thursday. Um, he you did. Know, yes. Yeah. So, you know, this is a potential high risk, high reward pickup because if he plays well, you know, he could lead that power play unit potentially until Ryan Ellis returns. And that is kind of an unknown date. Uh, he also could do nothing and get sent back down. You know, I've got some guys who are probably going to be coming off the IR before too long. And if he's not on that top power play and we head into next week and it doesn't look like he's going to be doing a whole lot for my roster, I'd be more than happy to drop him to activate one of my you know, a Brian Rust or a Mitch Marner if they manage to come off. So, you know, this is, I'm not telling everyone that they should be running off to grab Cam York, but keep an eye on that deployment. See if he's able to factor into some of these uh, power play goals. See if he keeps putting up those peripherals, maybe shoots a bit more. That would be nice to see. Uh, and he might be worth a grab if he's able to hold on to that spot. And if he's able to stay up with the big club, uh, and if maybe someone like Nick Sealer is the one who takes the hit as the Flyers start to get healthy along the blue line. A lot of ifs I'm hearing uh, as you as you qualify the heck out of this statement, huh? Well, I think it's worth qualifying because, again, I wouldn't be making this move if I wasn't, you know, projected to be in an extremely good position and currently in a nice lead. So, uh, you for know, sure. like I said, this is not for everybody, but I'm, I'm just yes. wanting to keep an eye out it because, you know, you might be kicking yourself if you end up missing on a chance for, uh, you know, several weeks of uh, top power play production. Yeah, the, my concerns are less Cam York related and more Philadelphia related. Like we've seen this team uh, hit a lot of resets on their lines. I, th I was hoping actually when Vino got fired that we might see a little bit less of the line blender, a little bit less of the spread out power play units, but we're still seeing a bit of a spreading out. And I just get the sense that's what we're going to continue to see with Philadelphia this season. So even if, you know, my hope would be that Cam York is able to be a productive streamer, but I, I don't have, I don't feel very optimistic that we get much more than that. And as you kind of alluded to, I, I could definitely see him being the first one sent down just because they don't want to play him the 10 games and have a year of his ELC uh, burn up. So yeah, I'm, I hope that it works out for you. I think it's a reasonable stream given the fact that he's still up on that top unit and they have the early week back to back next week. But I'm, I'm much less excited about, uh, about Cam York. And I was surprised to see that you dropped a previous 
player that you you sort of seem to have a a little bit of a little bit of a a thing for Adam Boakvist. Yeah, you know, I, one reason that I picked Boquist back up was because he had that opportunity with Wierenski on COVID uh, protocol, but he only was there for the five days, so he was able to come back with no symptoms after those five days were up and seize that position back. And, you know, we talked about the fact that if he doesn't get in on an assist, he's not really offering much for your lineup. So I like that there's a floor of peripherals with York that we weren't going to get from Boquist and that we wouldn't get with, um, you know, if you had uh, Keith Yandel, for instance, um, when he was running the power play, you know, he wasn't going to give you anything if he didn't get in. And the same, I think, is true of Boquist. So uh, I also have some concerns about Boquist shooting like 25%. I feel like that certainly can't continue. So uh, I feel like he was really overperforming and I was glad to have him when Wierenski was out. But once he was back, I, I lost a lot of interest. I mean, I, I agree with you. The first couple of games that York played, we saw two shots, three hits, two two blocks. Tonight, you see the two shots and two blocks. But overall, it's it's just four shots in four games. I wouldn't be shocked if we if we see a little bit of Boquist in Cam York's peripherals anyway. Um, but you know what? I, I like I said, I, I can see the re- the rationale in streaming him in, and and definitely I'm not trying to say that there's there's nothing there. I think that Cam York, you know, for dynasty purposes as well, looks to be a good player for the Flyers, and I'm excited to see him play there full time. Maybe this is his time. I don't know, but it definitely there's an opportunity for a guy to step in and take over on the top unit. Uh, let's talk about another young defenseman, this time in Colorado. Bo Byram is out once again after returning to the lineup uh, a few weeks ago, and he had a he had a great game, a couple of assists. He's been putting up points like crazy, but he is out once again, not with a new injury, but due to lingering effects of the third concussion that he suffered in the past year since making his NHL debut. Uh, coaches have said he didn't re-injure himself, but he did still miss Tuesday's game, and Bednar mentioned that he is out with no timeline. I did want to mention Byron because I was kind of surprised to see he's rostered in 32% of Yahoo leagues. But if you look at his full season numbers, through 18 games, he is on pace for 50 points with little to no power play time. Basically unheard of for any non-Colorado Avalanche defenseman. That's because he's on an offensive juggernaut like the Avs, of course. I guess I'm wondering, Lewis, given the fact that we've seen such a solid, uh, such a solid ability to put up points even without that power play exposure, do you think Byram is worth holding on to while he's out? Given we have no timeline, and of course, I'm assuming in this circumstance that that folks are up against the IR cap. You know, if you have room to just throw him in your IR, that's that's one thing. But I'm just wondering is is he somebody you should be making space for? Do you think, or or is this a little bit of a an unsustainable run to start off the season for for Byram? So two things that are red flags for me is I do think that this start is a bit unsustainable i wouldn't expect him to be able to continue producing the way that he has yes we know that colorado is great we know that they have you know capable scores on at least three lines um, and that can really help the defenseman when they have opportunities uh you know with skilled forwards even if they're trying to grind things up and and um you know burn out the clock but it's just very concerning you know i hate to i hate to say that you know it it is a situation where he may be damaged goods and we're worried about him in the future. And it's just a crummy part of the sport, I think. But 
it definitely does give me pause. You know, you said three concussions in a year, obviously experiencing some symptoms from it. I don't, you know, I think that maybe for a safer thing for him to do, I'm sure Colorado is very anxious to get him back, but maybe it makes a lot of sense for them to give him some significant time off until he can get himself right and feel confident. I think it has to be hard to feel confident going out there if you're worried about that next hit, right? So, um, you know, giving him the time to sort of... uh heal up and feel better and make sure that he is playing with confidence, I think is going to be really important. I feel, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. I certainly am not, you know, have the ear of anyone on a team, but I feel like if I were, you know, in charge of Byram's uh, return, I would, I would be very cautious with it. And I would certainly take my time. He's a super valuable player for them. They want him to have a long and healthy and productive career they have a great team right now. They're not going to hurt too much by not having him. And I think that his health is the most important element right here. I think that's a really good point, Lewis. Uh, let's hop over to the streak section of the show. We have two players we want to chat about. I am going to go first. I'm going to take host privilege here. And I wanted to chat about Pierre-Luc Dubois, a player who I was very surprised to see how hot he was to start the season. Four goals in the first five games of the year. Uh, tonight, the Jets were icing a skeleton crew thanks to COVID-19, but Dubois practiced on top line and top power play with Kyle Connor and Cole Perfetti on that top even strength unit. Um, with Ehlers and COVID and a report today suggesting that Wheeler may be nearing a return to the lineup, it might be getting better in Winnipeg soon, at least if Wheeler comes back, if, if he's able to recapture some of the magic. But PLD has just three points in his last eight games. Uh, prior to that, the first 25 games of the season, he had a 75-point pace. Now back down to a 60-point pace, which at least, to me, doesn't scream outlier. So that that's one thing. That's a, that's a, a positive. I was low on PLD to start the year because it was very auspicious seeing him get four goals on just eight shots through the first six games. But then he really turns up the heat, and since that stretch, he's been averaging 3.3 shots per game, which is well above his career high, and and it's really positive to see that level of shooting. The good news is that he is still shooting quite a bit, had a seven-shot game recently. Um, Always good to see the shots remain consistent and points toward things bursting open for him soon. If you look at the full season point pace, it actually looks fairly sustainable to me at this point. Looking under the hood at the the points participation, the even strength shooting percentage, those things look all good. Even if his personal shooting percentage is a touch high, and, and it's at like 15, 16, I'd expect it to be about 20. Like maybe we're talking about a, a goal or two in excess of what I would expect so far. I would expect a few more assists to kind of make up that gap anyway. So... His rostered rate and is the reason why I wanted to mention him. He, he dropped two or three percent in being rostered on Yahoo. I suspect, you know, if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably not in a league where PLD has been dropped. But I did want to mention that he may be, this might be the opening of a buy low window. So I'm suggesting maybe go out there, send out an offer to the PLD manager, see if you can't. Try to scoop him up at what he would have been prior to the season at a 50, 55 point pace, or even like a 55 point pace guy who doesn't put up peripherals. Cause PLD, he's doing shots. He's still getting hits. I think that he might be a good buy for the second half of the season. 
Yeah, and especially as as Winnipeg, you know, continues to get healthy, you know, like you said, they're really kind of limited in who they can put out there right now, but get a little bit more support around him. And I think he, uh, like you said, those assists should definitely come over time. Let's talk about Gustav Nyquist. Uh, he is another low rostered player, uh, much lower, um, probably available in many more leagues than uh, PLD is. He did not manage to get in on the flurry of goals Thursday night against Freddie Anderson, Jack LaFontaine, and the Canes. Uh, but he is on a nice little streak of his own with seven points in his last six games, including three one-goal, one-assist efforts and four games at or above 17 and a half minutes of ice time. He's lining up most recently with Patrick Laine and Boone Jenner. Uh, they got a goal at even strength while he was on the ice. He just didn't happen to get in on it. Uh, and he's getting second power play time, too. He's only rostered in 5% of leagues, so this is a widely available option, getting good minutes and deployment with effective line mates. I would expect to see that percent rostered climb here as he, you know, hopefully continues to get this nice exposure and plays some quality minutes. You know, if you are looking for replacements for players, especially who've been placed on IR, uh, you could certainly do a lot worse than Gus Nyquist, and he is really widely available. Yes, I will hedge on this one just slightly and mention that probably he's on that top line because of Voracek hitting COVID protocol today. So it will be interesting to see if he's able to maintain, you know, not getting a point tonight might not work in his favor. But I definitely think at this point he's been hot enough to warrant being rostered in deeper leagues, like 14-team leagues. At this point, I think you should be taking a shot on and maybe not every team has has the roster space, but probably there's a team in your league who could make space for Gustav Nyquist, at least to see how high he can get this season. Lewis, that is all the time that we have for this, I would say, long shift at this point. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this week, and I'm already excited to get back in the booth and chatting with you next week. Absolutely. Obviously, we have the big mega show coming up uh, Sunday, so uh, tune in live if you would like. Uh, check out Brian and Elon. They'll have lots to say, I'm certain. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Brian and Elon are at Keeping Carlson and Dave Benton of Stream Scheme is at NHL Stream Scheme on Twitter. Definitely also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. If you have those three, you know, the marginal benefits to your team and your management, it's going to help you win your pool. Uh, visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural, Statric, and Cupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.